0: So I'm going to begin this morning with a cautionary tale. It's not actually... One from my own life, although I do have many of those as well. Um, But I read this story uh, a while back. Um, A man was sharing. It was in a um, section that was about love and relationships. And people were sharing some of their personal experiences in this area. And this man wrote a story about one of the relationships he had had in college. And he had dated someone in college that he got along with really well. He said that they um, were a baker, like a quite talented baker. And one of the things he loved about dating her was that he got to eat really good treats. (laughs) Um, She would like pack picnics and stuff for them. And, And there were some areas where they weren't very compatible. Like she really loved the outdoors. She liked camping and hiking and he wasn't as keen on that. She was actually a Christian. Um, And he was not at the time. And so she had rules around her behavior (laughs) that um, his friends just were, like, amazed that he was dating her because they had these differences. But he said none of those things really bothered him. However, what led him to end the relationship was that when he would kiss her goodnight, she had terrible breath. (laughs) And he was like, you know, there wasn't a lot of physical affection happening in the relationship because she was a Christian and she had made that very clear. And so the, the little bit that they had, he couldn't move past that it was tainted by her bad breath. So he ended the relationship. And a couple of weeks after that or a week, I don't remember how much time, but it wasn't very long. He ended up, he had a dentist appointment. He went in. And found out that unbeknownst to him, that he had an issue happening in his mouth, in the back of his mouth, um, that was causing consistent bad breath. And his dentist said something like, ooh, we're going to take care of this for you, and before you know it, the girls will want to be around you again. And he realized that he had ended a relationship because of his problem. But he thought that it was someone else's problem. And he said in the years since, you know, he's writing this as an adult. Um, I suppose in college you are too, but you're kind of pretending to be an adult in college, right? (laughs) So (laughs) he was writing this as a full-fledged adult. And he said he has since become a Christian. And he's discovered that he actually loves the outdoors. One of his favorite things to do is hike and to camp. And he has realized in the years since he ended that relationship, that this person is very much the type of person that he wishes he was married to. But he ended the relationship because of a problem that he misidentified. I'm gonna talk to us this morning (laughs) about our problems (laughs) because we all misidentify sometimes problems that we have. And I think there's a specific one that we carry and it interferes in our life it interferes in our relationship with the lord and our understanding of what he's doing and the really good news is that once we identify that we're the problem then we can actually change it <laughs> and we can move forward into a new reality so i'm gonna pray for us um and and i'm really excited about what's going to be happening this morning because i think the lord is going to do some some great things, so I just want to invite you to open your heart as I pray and invite him to come and speak to you. All right, so Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your patience and your graciousness. I thank you that when we get close to you, you aren't put off by our bad breath, but that you walk with us. Father, that you love us unconditionally that you teach us and you lead us into better ways, that you don't withhold your kingdom from us, but you give it to us freely. Lord, you're just so good, and I ask that this morning you would send a fresh wave of your spirit. We open our hearts to you right now, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would encounter us, that you would bring life and change and light, that you would help us to grow in understanding. So, just thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to look today at the Pharisees and disciples. The Pharisees and the 12 disciples of Jesus um, as a whole were markedly different. We're going to look at them, though, because I think they have something in common with each other that we may also identify in our lives. Um, So if you're familiar with the Pharisees, the Pharisees of Jesus' day were a religious group of people. You know, it's easy today, I think, to look back with a lot of judgment on the Pharisees. You know, Jesus, when he was speaking to the Pharisees, he didn't pull any punches. Like, he has some not kind things to say. You know, he calls them a brood of vipers, you know, he says, woe to you, Pharisees. Like, he he has some harsh things to say. And I think because of that, it's really easy to look at the Pharisees with judgment. You know, like, they make us feel better about ourselves. We read about the Pharisees, and we kind of pat ourselves on the back because we're not them. You know, and, and it makes us feel good. Um, but I think the truth of the matter is, is that the Pharisees should be a cautionary tale. Their lives are recorded so that we can look at them and we can learn and we can search our hearts so that we don't fall into the same traps that they do. So the Pharisees, they were religiously minded people, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. Most of you in this room are here because you are religiously minded to some degree or another. You know, these are the people who grew up in church who knew the Ten Commandments, who knew what things you were supposed to do and not to do as a Christian. They obviously weren't Christian at the time, but you get my point. I think we're more closely related to the Pharisees than we realize. They were religiously minded. They were the keepers of the law, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, Jesus himself says that when he came, he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it right? But they had a problem. So in Matthew 23, starting in verse one, it says this, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe. Now this is surprising If you know that Jesus has not spoken favorably of the Pharisees to the Pharisees, it might catch you off guard when you hear him say, all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. All right, the problem with the Pharisees wasn't their teaching. It wasn't even what they believed. Like they knew the law. They were experts in the law. They were good at teaching the law. They had that right. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen to them and do as they say. But the problem was that the NLT version says they don't practice what they teach. Or in the message, I love how it says it in the message. It says, Jesus tells them, you won't go wrong in following their teachings on Moses, but be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. So the Pharisees were experts in the law. They could teach it. They knew it. You could listen to them, and if you listened to them and did everything they taught, you would be better off. But somehow, they had failed to actually practice this thing that they were an expert in. How is it that they lived their lives in deception? You know, it's so easy to know stuff and to think because you know it that you're doing it. Like... I don't know if you realize this, but if you ever want to know if you're actually living your values, have children. (laughs) Have children or get some roommates. Live with people in close context where you can't escape them. You know, we have had this conversation in my family before. I have found myself saying, you did not learn that in this house. Oh, except, hmm, obviously they did. (laughs) You know, like... We have values, all of us. It's so easy. There's so much information. There's so much available to us. And it's so easy to fall into deception when you know so much because you know it and you just think, oh, like, okay, I checked that off. I know it. And you don't even realize that you're not even living according to what you know. The Pharisees had devoted their whole lives to something, and yet they missed the point of it so entirely. They were deceived. How does that happen? Well, we're going to come back to that. But we're going to look first at the disciples. You know, disciples were much different than the Pharisees. They were a more diverse group of people that came from different backgrounds, but they were united in that they were all following Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They ministered with Jesus. When Jesus would teach the crowds, they would hear that. And then after that, he would go, okay, let me explain to you what this means. Right? Like, Jesus was their own personal commentary. That's amazing. If anybody should get it, it should be the disciples. Right? (laughs) I find so much comfort in the disciples. You know why? Because so often Jesus says to them, do you not understand? How is it that you do not understand? Oh, men of little faith, do you not remember? Do you not see? One of my favorites is Mark nine thirty-two. Jesus had just been speaking actually about his death, like what's going to happen? And it says this, but they did not understand this statement. Okay, so speaking of the disciples, the disciples did not understand the statement that Jesus had just made. And they were afraid to ask him. Do you know why they were afraid? Because they didn't want him to roll his eyes and go, really? Like, you still don't understand? Again? Like, couldn't you just see him kind of standing in the group elbowing each other? Like, you ask him this time. (laughs) You know? Like, have you ever been in a situation where you're over your head, but you're trying to pretend like you understand? Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Right? Like, I can do this. Yeah. You know? So they did not understand, but they were afraid to ask him. It's easy to look back and wonder, shaking your heads and go, how did you not get it? You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus began to speak to them plainly about the fact that he was going to die and then in three days be raised again. Like he spoke to them plainly about it. He told them, hey, boys, this is what's going to happen. And yet when the time actually comes... It is clear that they did not, for the most part, (laughs) have any understanding of what was happening. Why? This isn't an especially obtuse group of people. It's not that they just had trouble understanding in general, and yet they (laughs) had so many problems in understanding, even though they were authentically and sincerely trying to get it. So what was the problem? Do you know what the definition of the word agenda is? We hear about agenda all the time. This group has this agenda. This group has this agenda. Watch out for those people. They have this agenda. The truth of the matter, though, (laughs) is that it's very hard to know from the outside what someone's actual agenda is because this is the definition. An agenda is the underlying intentions or motives of a particular person or group. So it's the underlying intentions or motives. It's impossible from the outside to tell what someone's agenda actually is. You can guess, but you know what? A lot of times we don't even know what our own agenda is. (laughs) You know, like we're motivated by things, but how often do we stop to ponder what it is that's pushing something forward in us, that's what's driving us. An agenda is your intention or your motives, and there's nothing wrong with having an agenda. We all have them. We're driven by them. It's what, we, what causes us to do the things that we do. And it's even OK for groups of us to have different agendas. You know, there's some that are clearly outside the bounds that are wrong. You should never have those agendas. But within you know, the right value system, having differing agendas actually just makes the world more rich and full. There's nothing wrong with having an agenda or having a different agenda. The problems, though, come when we have different agendas and we're walking with people and we don't realize that we have different agendas. Okay, so let me give you an example. My family goes on road trips. And I love road trips. But what I've learned is that for a good number of us, there is no toleration on the way home from a road trip to have any agenda except for getting home as fast as you can. (laughs) right? Like on the way there, it's okay to take our time a little more to, oh, hey, there's this like little thing. Let's go see that. You know, like there's room for a greater experience because we're just on our way to go see the world. But after we have been sleeping in hotels (laughs) or wherever it is a road trip has taken us and we have the end in sight And we know in X number of nights, we will be in our own beds. There is no more room for any agenda except for get up, get in the car, drive. (laughs) Right? It's good to know this because for those of us who still have room for exploration, we can change our agenda. We can change our expectations. Or how about this? When my husband and I go to the grocery store, It's important to know what our agenda is, right? Like when we go to the grocery store, if there's seven things on our list, guess what Jamie does? He gets seven things. So he accuses me of going off list, but this is the truth, is that there's two lists, okay? (laughs) There's the list, and then there's this list. Right? And so when I'm at the grocery store, I'm keeping both lists in mind, and it takes me a while to walk through the aisles to you know, kind of activate this list up here, <laughs> right? But if we go into the grocery store together, and the agenda for him is to get seven things, and the agenda for me is to walk through the aisles until I remember this list, you could see how that could lead to conflict. We've learned also because, you know, we have eight kids. We don't always have a lot of one-on-one time. So sometimes we'll run errands as like a little date. Like it's our connection. So romantic, you know? Like, (laughs) but so before we do that, it's really good to have clarity. Like, are you wanting to just get errands done or are we connecting? Like, what's, what's the agenda of this trip? Because we're going to approach it differently. And neither agenda is wrong. But if we both have a different agenda and we don't clarify, then we can have conflict. We could have misunderstanding or hurt feelings, right? So agendas aren't wrong. It's just when they're different, when they're not clear, they can cause problems. And this was the problem of the Pharisees and the disciples. They had their own agendas. And they did not realize that their agenda and the agenda of heaven were not the same. So they are going through life. They're seeking after the Lord. They're following their religion. They're doing the best that they know how to do. And everything they see and the way they understand is being clouded by their agenda and they don't realize it (laughs) you know the pharisees agenda was to have a clean outside like they wanted the power and prestige here on earth in matthew 23 verses 23 and 24 this is what jesus says to them woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. You know, the Pharisees were so consumed with the outside that they didn't even think about the inside. Their religion had so entrapped them into believing that if they did these ten things, if they made sure that they were teaching and that they were appearing in this way and that they're outside, they looked so righteous, that this was the agenda of their life. And they thought that this was the agenda of heaven. They thought that this is what the Lord wanted. They were so wrapped up in it that they didn't understand The problem wasn't their religion. It was the fact that their religion was hollow, that it was on the outside, not the inside. The disciples, on the other hand, you know, they seemed a lot closer to the agenda of heaven, right? They wanted to see the kingdom established. They wanted to see Jesus enthroned. This is what they were following him for. This is what they were living for. You know, the disciples originally were drawn to the message, some of them to John the Baptist, and then to Jesus when he spoke the same message as John, and he was, they were saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They hear this message and they go, This is what we've been waiting for. We know that there is a promise that the kingdom is to come, that the Messiah is going to come, that he's going to restore us that he's going to restore Israel, that he's going to rule. And they were willing to give up everything to follow Jesus and see this happen. This is a good motive, right? (laughs) But they didn't understand the ways of the kingdom. They didn't understand how it was going to come or how it operated. Their view was obscured by their own hopes, their own dreams, their own beliefs. They had their own agenda and they didn't even realize it. Nowhere is this more evident than with Peter. In Matthew 16, verses 21 and 23, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So Jesus is telling them this. This is what's going to happen. And what does Peter do? Peter takes him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You know, in the NLT it says, You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. You know, This is what happens to all of us. We see things from a human point of view because we're humans, (laughs) right? This is what happens. The Pharisees and disciples had very different problems, but they had the same root issue, and it was that they carried their own agenda. And their agenda was coloring the way they understood, the way they lived, the way they saw things, the way they followed the Lord. And the problem was that their agenda did not match the agenda of heaven. Do you know that this is our problem, too? I would say it's just my problem, but I think it's all of ours. So I'll just go ahead and confess for you. (laughs) We have our own agendas, and our agenda colors the way that we see It even colors the way that we interact with the Lord, the way that we understand his presence in our life, the things that he says to us. The reason I get so comforted by Jesus saying to the disciples, you know, do you not understand yet? Is because I am like that. No, Lord, I don't understand. I'm trying. Like you said this, and so I thought it was gonna mean this. And now I'm down here, and I clearly know that you didn't mean that because that's not what happened. But I'm going back to what you said, and I still don't understand. Like, <laughs> it's because I have my own viewpoint. I have my own agenda. I, have, I believe that when the Lord's going to break through, that it's going to look like this. Right? <laughs> I've been in that situation more than once where I'm crying out, and I'm going, Lord, where are you? I thought you were going to come through for me. I thought there was breakthrough. I thought this was the day of promise. Like, what is happening? And he has to stop me and go, you're looking at things from the wrong point of view. You're seeing things from a limited perspective. You're concerned about superficial things, and I'm concerned with eternal things. And what I'm doing is of far greater worth than what you think I was supposed to do. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I hate this passage. So I'm gonna read it to you. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. In the message, it says, hey, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. I hate this passage because the thing about it is, is the people that Jesus is talking to, they thought that they had done what they were supposed to do, right? They had the fruit of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus in their life, and they thought they were safe. They may have thought that they were pleasing the Lord. They were doing their best, and so they come to Jesus in that day, and he says, I don't know you. And they thought he did. It isn't just that they had deceived the people around them, but they were deceived, too. You know, it's possible to look clean on the outside and even be spiritual superstars and yet miss it. We all have. I think that a lot of times we're more like the Pharisees and the disciples than we're comfortable admitting. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that none of us start out with the same agenda as heaven. Like, we come to Jesus for salvation. We come to Jesus because we need him. Okay? If you don't know that you need Jesus, you need Jesus right? We encounter his goodness and we're propelled into a relationship with him because it's impossible after you've tasted of his goodness to not want a relationship with him, (laughs) right? And so we're compelled into this relationship because we need the hope he offers, because we need forgiveness, because we need healing, because we need something, because we want to be in heaven someday. We want that eternal security. There's something in us that propelled us into, a salvation encounter with the Lord. But do you know that that's only supposed to be the beginning of the journey? That at some point, as you walk with Jesus, it's supposed to stop being all about you. Right? It's so easy in our relationship with the Lord to have it be all about us because he's so good and because the world is so distracting because we don't like discomfort, you know, because something over here captures our attention or we become worried about this thing over there. And so everything is just me, me, me. But heaven has more for you than that. The agenda of heaven, salvation is just the beginning. Heaven's agenda is not for you to be clean only on the outside. And it's also not to see your version of Christianity established in the world. The agenda of heaven, I believe, can be summed up in the simple phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is, one of the, this is our mission statement here at the house. I'm not going to take the time to really explain it to you. But I want you to know and recognize that the methods of heaven are not the same as the methods of earth. That heaven is supernatural in nature. That it is concerned with an entirely different set of things than you are. So if you're walking with Jesus and your agenda hasn't changed from earthly concerns, then today is a day that you get to shift the way you're thinking. Right? (laughs) Because... The way we see the agenda of heaven realized in our lives and on earth around us is that our hearts and motives are changed so that they match heaven's. How does this happen? It's super simple, but it's not easy. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Super simple. Everyone can do it. But it's not easy because it isn't quick. You know, we like quick things. I like quick things. I'm an American. (laughs) I grew up with convenience, right? And I also like to have, like, the three-point plan. I'm going to do these three things, and that's all I have to do, and then check my spiritual life is taken care of. You know, like, I like the easy like that, and this isn't what happened. This isn't how heaven's established. It happens through our daily connection with Jesus. As we walk with him, as we encounter him, as we get to know him and his ways, we change. You know, what happens when you start walking with Jesus is you start out and you're walking on earth. He's in heaven, you know, and he's reaching down. He's walking with you. But somewhere in the process of walking with him, you become elevated so you're actually seated in heaven. You're seated in heaven. And then when you're looking at the world, you're looking at it through heaven's perspective instead of an earthly one right? (laughs) Yes, you can be excited about that because this is good news. You know, heaven isn't something that it's not, it doesn't come into your life as a fully formed mature tree. It's given to you as a seed. And so you walk with Jesus and he gives you little seeds of the kingdom. He gives you little heavenly seeds. And as you continue to walk with them, they grow and then they grow some more and then they grow some more until they become mature. And you don't realize in the middle of it how much you actually change. The good news about it, though, too, is that these seeds of heaven, as they grow, they cannot be abolished in your life. They can't be undone. They are rooted. They are rooted deep. They are supernatural. They grow to maturity, and it's a work of the Lord. It's not of yourself. And so you or anyone else can't actually undo it. Because when the kingdom comes someplace, it is there. It doesn't get undone. The kingdom is growing in power and influence. You know, the government of heaven, it just grows and grows and grows. It doesn't get undone. And this is good news. Yes, you can be excited. I'm actually going to invite my husband up. He's looking at me with surprise. Um, These are the fun things about marriage, right? (laughs) Because... I think that the Lord wants us to repent this morning. I Before I had fully formed this, this sermon, when I was praying and asking the Lord, what do you want us to do? Like, what's the purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? I felt like he was saying, I want people to repent. And, you know, repentance is such a scary word, but it really just means to change your mind to change your mind, to stop thinking from an earthly viewpoint, but to adopt a heavenly one instead. And I think today the Lord's going to do some great things. Um, and, and I'm going to have my husband share a little bit.
1: Good morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good to see everybody. Um, you know, the, every year there's a cycle that we experience. We set apart dates, we celebrate them. In order to remember to set and establish um, you know events as important it's transitions that take place in our lives you know you have a birthday and uh, one moment you might be able to drive a car with a parent and the next you have ultimate freedom right on the road you have uh, the ability to have a voice as a 17 year old but now after A a year passes, suddenly you have a vote. You know, we we mark times and seasons, and these times and seasons are significant and important. And, uh, you know, the world is going through some wild stuff right now. If you look around the world, there's quite a bit of uh, significant happenings, if you will. There are many questions being asked, and there's need for the kingdom to be manifested in real and authentic ways Ways that overcome evil, ways that do away with dark uh, uh, or, or ignorant thinking. You know, and there's an invitation from the Lord to walk with him. The life in Christ is a journey of walking with him each day. I think it's sometimes gets mixed up in our mind, maybe because of upbringing, maybe because of uh, just your, uh, your personality, even, as you read the Bible. You know, we, we tend to read through our own lens what we see there. And so if you have a personal bias, you read it into what Christ is saying. But, but when we step back and we look and we see, oh wow, Lord, from where we started, for instance, something like the Dark Ages, I'd say that the world might have progressed a little bit. You know, indoor plumbing, not a bad thing. Maybe some perspectives have evolved that turns out were like really good that society began to think this way, that the, the evolution, if you will, in thought and in culture has removed some of this ignorance that's caused great turmoil and pain throughout history. Is anybody alive today? Why is this important? Because I think sometimes we get confused when we look at our own lives and then you look at the word and you're looking to ultimate viewpoints. You read into prophecy looking for an ultimate outcome and the assumption is that you are supposed to experience an ultimate outcome right now. And our expectations and hope press into that. The unfortunate thing is that you're also carrying with you like Pastor Nicole just said this morning, we're also carrying with us all of our personal bias, all of our personal experiences. When you carry pain before the Lord and you start to realize that he's inviting heaven to overcome the works of the devil, the immediate assumption is, oh, God's supposed to get me out of pain. And we miss the process that he's actually taking you through. The journey is from the word of the Lord being given to you and you walking it out and stewarding what he's put inside of you until it bears fruit. This process is actually what the Lord's looking for, the process, the journey with him. But if you take an agenda and you go, oh, that's what heaven looks like, and so we must, as a people, somehow right now in society... Rise up and overcome everybody that disagrees with us. Can you see how that might lead to some conflict that is not consistent with your own life even? Where our words trumpet something, we are failing to live out ourselves. The kingdom manifests, the presence of the Lord manifests in authenticity. When Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, my father's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those words, spirit, it's the word for breath. To give breath, ruach, to give breath to it. Not spirit of God, your spirit. You giving breath and truth. Truth is not like, well, this is correct, and this is incorrect that's not what he's talking about the word is for authenticity it is the father is looking for people who will be authentic with where they really are at and give voice to it in their worship in that authenticity this divine exchange happens god speaks to you and he starts to take you on a journey and you're meant to walk with him day by day not, not taking the rule book and examining your life with the rule book. Oh, here's the rule book. Here's the 10 things we can do in society. Here's the 50 things we cannot do in society. And now let's take the rule book and let's throw it at the people we're supposed to love. Right. Exactly. exactly. It's a broadsword, right? You know, the word is a sword. Let's cut all the enemies of God down. No, the, the, the bigger picture here, the, the invitation, is that the Father loves humanity, yes. loves people. He loves you so much. He sent His Son to create mercy. Mercy gives you a fresh start every day. Because of Jesus' blood, because of his body, he provided a fresh start. That fresh start allows you... Excuse the, the... Please don't take any of this out of context. Please hold this all in context, okay? If you mess up today, if you make a decision that's contrary to the values of the kingdom... You make a decision that's selfish. Anybody ever chose something selfish? Anybody? Am I talking in the right room here? Okay. If you have chosen selfishly and you have made decisions that would be missing the mark, you're off course. You're not, you're not considering the things that the Father wants. You were considering yourself. Okay. If you are off course, if you miss the mark, you are needing... Mercy to establish a fresh beginning. Jesus' blood and body has provided a fresh start. But the invitation to each one of us is to walk authentically before our God in humility. Now catch this. You got to put all the stuff together, okay? You're living your life. You come to know Jesus. He redeems you. Man, what a day. The day I felt the weight of iniquity and sin pull off of my life was an utter transformational day. It's why I have spent the remainder of my life preaching. This shouldn't be my choice. Y'all need to know that. I don't seek this kind of stuff. It's not, it's not in me. It's not how I am wired personally. I would like a cabin in the woods with none of you there. That's what I would like. Okay? Well, yes, my wife. <laughs> in context, in context. Come on, hang with me. No, no. No, the, there's a... A compelling thing that has taken place because on that day, the Lord lifted off the burden of sin and transformed my life, not into perfection as in I am now perfect, but rather right standing before my father. And so when I make a mistake, it is just like my own children. If my children make a dumb decision, which there's eight of them, they do like every day. Right? And I have a conversation with them. Please, if you're going to take stuff out of the garage, can you go ahead and shut the garage? Is that okay? Can you put the stuff back? You know, the 15th time that it hasn't happened, there's another kind of conversation that begins to take place. Right? Okay. We're calling them into outward transformation and there needs to be recognition in their hearts, but their father is not holding it against them. Something has happened. See, mercy established a fresh place for them to start again tomorrow. And there is fresh invitation every single day for you to get up and to receive mercy. It is new every day. And now you get to walk with the Lord again today. And you're probably gonna have opportunities to make the decision to either go back and do something dumb again, or through the mercy of the Lord and the grace you have received, now choose to overcome. The evolution that you experience in the body of Christ is a continuous invitation to show back up authentically. Yeah, you know what? Y'all got warts, there's messed up things about you. You have screwed up thoughts sometimes, sometimes you get angry, sometimes you've... Man, there's a whole bunch of stuff that people have done that's just dumb. D-U-M, dumb. (laughs) But the invitation, the invitation to the kingdom is to walk humbly before your God, to walk in the light... To, to come before him and to watch as, as this interaction, this divine interaction, it's not about predicting the future and somehow achieving it. Let go of that idea. You, when, when we, especially Americans, grab hold of an idea and we believe that's the right way, this is where we get ourselves into trouble. Because when we do that, we end up supplanting the authenticity of connection with the agenda of what we have conceived. Are you alive? Y'all, there is a divine invitation today in humility to go, whoa, Lord, I need mercy. And in that mercy, that connectedness That authentic, raw, I'm in the light. I'm just, I'm exposed. This is who I am. In that pursuit, I want to walk humbly before my God. In that, the Holy Spirit of God fills your being, gives you fresh eyes. Instead of approaching a situation with an agenda, Approach the thing that's not going your way with open hands and go, Lord, what are you doing in it? We get frustrated because it's not turning out the way you wanted it to turn out. And when that takes place, this is the birthplace of James says, man, your anger will not accomplish the will of God. Wisdom will not be produced through your frustration and basically trying to force your way. The kingdom manifests, my friends, when a people authentically come before him and go, Jesus, we are so grateful that you paid the price for us to receive mercy so that this day we have a fresh start And I will walk in authenticity with what you have spoken to me, the little seeds of the kingdom. And I'll steward them to the best of my ability. And when I mess up, I'll stand up again. I'm going to believe and put my faith. I'm walking towards the light. In that fellowship, something supernatural begins to take place. Y'all... The grand day that we live in is a day of major transition. We just passed Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and this week is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. In this space of time, there is a divine invitation continuously, year after year. The Lord created it this way because we need fresh starts. He wired it into us. That in this season, it's a season of where the Holy Spirit unearths things that are going on inside of you, and there's a fresh opportunity for you to go, okay, God, clearly I've gone around the mountain again. <laughs> anybody, anybody, authentically, please be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but at least be honest with yourself. Anybody continuing to struggle with something that you struggled with several years ago? Y'all... When the Holy Spirit stirs those waters, when he begins to unearth and uproot that stuff that's in you, ah, you'll watch as the Lord, as you will give confession to it. Yes, Lord. I don't know how that's going to change in my life. I don't know how how I am going to produce what you've said prophetically to me. I don't think I can achieve this thing that you said. However, what I can do is I can present myself to you. And I can be honest and I can go, yes, Lord. Here's my yes and amen. Now, I am inviting you. Will you please come and perform your word? Would you do me a favor right now? And I just want you to put a hand on your own heart. As the Holy Spirit is stirring, he's brooding over the deep. In the beginning, there was chaos. The waters of the deep had not produced life yet. And the Holy Spirit was stirring over the waters, the the voice of the Lord speaking into his creation, the vibration of heaven, of who he is, the life of God brooding over the waters. And when he spoke, it initiated life. Holy Spirit is stirring over your heart. He has been for the last, I mean, continuously. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But I want you to recognize that in the last several days, last couple weeks, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about some stuff, and he's inviting you to let go and to agree with what he's saying. Maybe your life isn't turning out the way you thought it was going to. Maybe there's a situation that you have no power over, but you would really like it to change and you thought it was supposed to go one way and then it didn't go that way. And and so you're going, God, where are you? Ah, my friends, he never left you. He is inviting you to let go of your agenda. Holy Spirit of God, would you please speak illuminate let the light of heaven shine into every heart this morning holy spirit he brings to remembrance things the lord has said to us holy spirit would you speak right now i want you to ask him this question i want you to say lord is there something that you are inviting me to let go of today Holy Spirit, have I been holding on to an agenda that's not of you? Come on, just ask Him. And now ask Him what it is. Lord, is there something you want to talk to me about? Is there something you want me to see this morning? Not to condemn you, you've been forgiven, y'all. Receive mercy. But the word of the Lord was like a seed and it's been planted and it's moving forward. And as you walk with him, it begins to bear fruit. And, but those seeds get undermined, Jesus says, by the hardness of our heart, or by the deceitfulness of money, as if you can or can't do something because you have money or don't have money. The worries and cares of this world suddenly choke out its ability to be performed or there is something called a stronghold a rocky place in the soil it's where we have believed something that's contrary to what god's trying to do and that stuff the holy spirit Man, he's so awesome at this. He wants to dig his fingers through the soil of your heart and unearth those things. So Holy Spirit, would you please do that today? Lord, I pray over the next three days. Lord, under the Day of Atonement, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to your people. God, I pray for us as a house that Lord, you're brooding over us and you're performing your word and you're bringing us as a community into wonderful things and there's promises associated with it, but Holy Spirit, we want to be in tune with what you're saying. And so Lord, I pray you would give dreams to people. I pray God in their prayer time that you would arrest their attention. I pray God every time they open the Bible that you would highlight scriptures and help us to see. You'd remind us of things that you have said, Jesus, and cause us to come into the light, to understand it. Bring a spirit of revelation upon this house that we might fulfill and walk in the things you've called us to, God. Over each family, Lord, where there has been hindrances and things that have held people back, Lord, help us to see rightly. To come into alignment with your kingdom. It's like leaven. It's working its way through your family, y'all. You don't got to work harder at this. You just have to come into agreement with what he's saying. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in every way. Would you just agree in prayer with me now? Just invite you to repeat even after me. Just every voice, if you just authentically, heartfilled, just pray this with me. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. That he died on the cross, he bled and provided a new covenant that I might become righteous. Washed in your blood. Cleansed and set in a right place. Now we invite you, Holy Spirit of God. Come on, we invite you, Holy Spirit of God. Lead us as a people. Guide me. Help me facilitate my family. To lead my children well, to be a wonderful partner, to come into union with your body, and to see your kingdom advanced, We pray this today in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody who agreed with that said, amen. Yeah, come on. Would you jump to your feet? We're just going to release a blessing over you. There will be prayer ministers up front after the service if there's something specific you'd like prayer for, but just go ahead and receive. Father, I thank you for your people this morning. Lord, I bless them. God, I pray fullness upon them today. I pray an increase so absurd, Lord, that they cannot believe it. God, I pray that your mercy would show up so triumphantly. God, that tomorrow morning when people wake up, they go, man, I don't even have an appetite for that thing. I don't have any desire for that thing. That the Lord would surgically remove junk off of you. Lord, I pray that you would grant such grace, such empowerment, Lord, that as we put our hands to the plow, Lord, that there would be fruit, abundant progress in every phase of life. Lord, I pray for increase. I pray for increase, God. Come on, would you take your hand, put it on someone near you, and just declare that over them this morning. We declare increase over you. The blessing of the Lord come upon your life. The fullness of all that God has intended for you, may you walk in it. May you see it in the land of the living. We declare health over you. We bless your body that you would walk in strength, that pain would leave you health would be restored, disease would be driven from you. In Jesus' name, we declare the life of heaven over your life. Now, Father, I bless your people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's favor be upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and grant you his peace. And everybody who agreed with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?